Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, some things the Lord has been uh, laying on my heart that I've I've taught on many of these over the years. Uh, But Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, I want to minister today on uh, the role of the pastor in your life and the role of the ministry gifts in your life. And um, see what the Lord has for us. Hallelujah. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we can start here in verse 8. It says, Wherefore he saith, when he, Jesus, ascended up on high, he noticed there's two things that he did. He led captivity captive, and secondly, he gave gifts Unto men. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Psalm 68 18 is the Old Testament reference. It tells us that Jesus led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Then verse 9 says, Now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower part of the earth? So Jesus ascended, but first he descended into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he, the very same one, gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and then it goes on and tells us why that he gave those gifts to the church. But what I want to focus on in those verses in the beginning is we see through the Holy Spirit that uh, Paul states that when Jesus ascended up to the Father, that he did two things. Number one, he led captivity captive. So he went into the, the, the place of the dead. He went into Abraham's bosom, all right, which was part of Gehenna, part of the place of the dead. Uh, they were separate there because of their covenant connection to God, their belief in the, in the things of God. And Jesus, when, when the Bible says he ministered to them, uh, you'll hear people say, well, he preached to them. Not like we think, but in any event, he delivered them from the bondage of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, because the sons and daughters were partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus became a partaker of flesh and blood. For what purpose? So that he could deliver them who all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. So he went to that place of the dead and delivered them. All right, the book of Psalms says that that when he took them back to heaven, that that's when you hear the, the, the cry go out, who is the king of glory? He cried, lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the king of glory may come in. They said, who is the king of glory? He said, the Lord strong and mighty in battle is he. And he was bringing the trophies of victory with him. All right? Well, that's the first thing that he did. But the second thing that the Holy Spirit t- tells us that he did through the Apostle Paul, was then he gave gifts to men. Mm -hmm. 
So he led captivity captive, and then he gave gifts unto men. So at the same time he ascended to the Father, after descending to hell, it was then that he gave these gifts to men. And Paul says, notice, and he gave some. All right? When it says he gave some, it means he himself, the one who descended and then ascended, Jesus, he himself. So Jesus personally gave these gifts to men by placing them in the universal church and in the local church. Now, all of these gifts function in the church universal. And at times, all of them function in the local church. All of these gifts function in the church universal, and at times, they function, all of them, in the local church. Now, the church needs all these gifts functioning in the church. Yet, only one of these gifts is in constant operation in the local church. That's the pastor's gift. That's the only one of the five-fold ministry gifts that you will find constantly functioning in the local church. I didn't say the universal church. I said the local church. Because the only gift out of the five that is required to have a church is the pastor's gift. You don't have to have an apostle to have a local church. You don't have to have a prophet to have a local church. You don't have to have an evangelist to have a local church. You have to have a pastor. If you don't have a pastor, you don't have a church. Because that, that's the prerequisite in the Word of God. Now, hallelujah. The pastor is the only one of the five-fold ministries that will be in constant operation in the believer's life. Only the pastor. You may have a prophet speak into your life but he won't speak into your life constantly. You may have an apostle speak into your life, but he won't speak into your life constantly. An evangelist, a teacher, you'll always have your pastor speaking into your life. As long as you're a part of that body, you'll always have your pastor speaking into your life. Oh, hallelujah. Now, this is important because God does not bring people to a church per se. God brings them to the pastor of that church. This is important. Hallelujah. In that pastor is what that person needs to succeed. Amen. In that pastor is what that person needs to succeed. That's why it's of tremendous importance who your pastor is. It's of tremendous importance, all right? Because I, I don't want to just be in the church. Now, now see, that's, that's where people miss it. If I'm in the church God told me to be in, it's because the pastor I need is there. Not just because I'm in that church. There are people that have come to your church because you pay them. Musicians. I was talking with a pastor one time, and they said, well, well the, the, the praise team's given me a fit. I said, well, you know, what are you doing about it? And they said, well, you know, we, 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 we give them a certain amount uh, every week. And, and they were giving the praise team more money than the pastor was taking and receiving. And I said, well, tell them you're not going to do that no more. They said, well, they'll leave. 
I said, so they're just there for the check. Well, get yourself a soundtrack, man. Here's my point. That, 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 that team, that group, that person needs to be there because that's who God called them to. It's important because, because wherever it is, whatever person, man, woman, pastor that God called me to, I want to be there because that's where I'm going to be fed the strongest. That's where I'm going to be fed the strongest is being where God, that, that if we could say it that way, where that mouthpiece that God's ordained for me is speaking. See, I am a pastor. I'm not everybody's pastor. There are people that I never see, and they call me pastor. I'm not their pastor. I'm a pastor, but I'm not their pastor. Why? If I'm your pastor, you're here letting me pastor you. This is important. Because for the growth of anybody, for the, for the growth of any church, you, you got to understand why God brings you where he brings you. Amen. This is important. I've, ha- I've had people before, uh, uh, people that drive a long way to church, and I've had people say, well, you know, can't they find somewhere closer to them? Not if, not if I'm their pastor. Not if I'm their pastor. I'm not going to encourage them to find somewhere closer. Well, wouldn't it be easier? Not in the long run. As a matter of fact, in the long run, it'll be harder on them because they're not hearing from the voice that God wants them to hear from. Oh, it's important. So important. Hallelujah. So it's of tremendous importance who your pastor is because here's this. Here's the issue. Every pastor cannot be your pastor. My pastor has what I need. Every pastor can't be my pastor. It's important. I have my pastor come to our church and speak into our lives every month. Now, I'm the pastor of that church, but my pastor has what I need. Does that make sense? That's so That's so important. And, 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 and what will happen when I understand that, notice, let's go to Acts 20. When I understand that, I understand what the Bible says about this. Now, under, understand this, and I'm going I'm, I'm to say this just straight out. You know, a lot of times what people will say is, well, I'm not following a man, I'm following Jesus. Then you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Because that's a violation of the way God said you're supposed to receive from the Word of God. Twice in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul said, Be followers of me as I am of Christ. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, he said, You were followers of us and of God. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, be followers of them who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. In every one of those instances, the word is the Greek word mimetes, and it means to imitate or to follow closely. 
And surely the Apostle Paul, as spiritual as he was, and as full of the Holy Spirit he was, surely he didn't make a mistake. Writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he said, look, y'all follow me as I follow Christ. Is that right? Imitate me. Why didn't he say imitate Jesus? We are supposed to imitate Jesus. Jesus told us in the book of Mark, in the book of Matthew, he said, come and be imitators of me. The, 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 the writer of the book of Hebrews says, imitate God as dear children. Follow him. Be followers of God as dear children. Imitate him. Of course we're supposed to. But God, listen, God places you in a place where you can follow and you can walk in the same footsteps as that man or woman of God that he's placed in your life so that you can walk into victory easier than you would by yourself. Glory to God. Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Speaking to Paul, it says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders or called the pastors of the church. And then when they were come to him, notice in verse 28, he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the flock of God, which he's purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves will men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Now notice, Paul said to take heed to the flock over which the Holy Ghost made you overseers. So the Holy Ghost placed these pastors over the congregation they were leading. That's important to see. Because if I'm, if I'm there in the place God told me to be, then I'm there listening to the person that the Holy Ghost placed over me. That the Holy Ghost placed over me. See, I'm your pastor not because you chose me per se, but because the Holy Ghost chose me for you. That's important. I say that's important. And, and, and that's why you got to understand something. That, well, let me move on. Let me just move on. Maybe we'll get back to that later. The Amplified Bible says, Take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you bishops and guardians to shepherd, tend, and feed and guide the church of the Lord God which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for him with his own blood. So notice, we see the pastor, what do they do? They tend and they feed. All right? When, when the scripture says, take heed therefore to yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has uh, made you overseas to feed the church of God, when he talks about feeding, it's shepherding. In the Greek, it's always rendered shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God. All right? So the pastor tends, the pastor feeds, the pastor guides the church that they've been placed over. All right? And so when, when someone says, that's my church, that's your church because that's your pastor. 
If that's not your pastor, that's not your church. Well, I believe I can get fed anywhere. Well, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Because you got, you got to be where God told you to be. Amen. See, it's, it's, listen, it's not, a, it's not about a person looking and saying, I have all the truth. Nobody has all the truth. It's if this is where God called you, God called you to me. God called me to you. I don't have necessarily any more truth than the guy down the road. For them, I got more for you. Because this is where God called you to be. Amen. And some want to say, well, they, they make it all about them. I'll make it all about me. The Bible made it all about me. About the gift, about the anointing in the person's life. I, I, don't, I don't have the ability to help you with your life in my own self. I can talk to you from experience. I can talk to you from things that I've done, things, mistakes I've made, but I can talk to you from the Word of God and talk to you by the Holy Spirit and help you in areas that I don't even have knowledge of because that's what I'm called to do. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And notice Hebrews 13 and uh, verse 17. He says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. When he says obey, now that, that's, that's where uh, people have made mistakes, all right? Obey. Well, the word obey, it means believe. It means listen to, rely on, have confidence in, all right? It's not obedience in the sense that you got to do what I tell you to do. It's not my job to tell you what to do. It's my job to help you from the word of God, not tell you what you ought to do. But notice what the, the, the believer's responsibility is. Believe, listen to, rely on, or have confidence in. And people say, well, I was, I was hurt in a church one time. I hate that. I hate that anybody was ever hurt. But what can I say? We're all imperfect. You're, you're never going to run into anybody that's in the flesh that's going to be perfect. But that does, not, that does not give me the right to not adhere to this scripture. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Then he said, and submit to them. In other words, resist no longer or yield to their authority in the church. Yield to their authority in the church. The Young's Literal Translation says, Be obedient to those leading you, and be subject, for these watch for your soul. As about to give account, that with joy they may do this, and not sign, for that's unprofitable for you. Well, why is that unprofitable? 
Well, it's not because the pastor's going to make it hard on you. It's unprofitable because that account, when it says he's got to give an account, he's got to give an account for his job, but he's got to give an account for how you received it. And if a person doesn't receive, if a person's not obedient, if a person's not submissive, he's got to give that account. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's why the guy came to Brother Hagin one time, and he said, uh, Brother Hagin was his pastor at the time, and he said, uh, he said, uh, boy, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. He said, well, why not? He said, you're going to give an account for everything you've taught. Brother Hagin said, boy, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. He said, why? He said, you're going to give an account for everything you heard me teach. <laughs> Amen. Now, now understand what, what the reason I'm teaching on this is because this is important for you to understand that if, if you are where God told you to be under the pastor that God placed you under, you're going to be hearing what God wants you to be hearing. When you come to church, when you come and you sit, un, that, that's where answers are at. Amen. That's where answers are at. And you can be praying, asking God to reveal something to you, asking God to give you an answer. And, and you got to understand my heart when I say this. And it's, 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 it's not necessarily because somebody is so much more spiritual than you. You'll mess yourself up when you start thinking things like, I can't hear from God like my pastor. I can't do this like my pastor. You can hear from God just as well as the next person. But here's the thing. God has given you a voice and a witness in the church that you come to that can, that can identify things, that can bring things up, that can agree with what the Holy Spirit's saying to you that can comfort you and edify you and build you up. It's not about somebody being so much more spiritual than you as it is God has given you a voice that will that will confirm those things that God's saying to you in your life. It's vital. It's vital. Amen. I say it's vital. And, and notice the part that he said is, is notice to resist no longer. Yield to their authority, yield to their authority in your life. Lord, I yield to that voice. I don't resist that voice. If, if, in other words, if, I, if I'm sitting in church and, and the minister says something and it hits me, it just hit me. I don't resist it. I'm yielding to it. I want that to be fixed in my life. Amen. I want that to be fixed in my life. Do you see that? The Amplified Bible says, obey your spiritual leaders. And submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. Now, see, this, this, is, this is where problems are, have arisen in the church, it, especially over the last, well, 25, 30 years now, because, right, we, we, we've had this movement where everybody's the same. I mean, we're all just brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, yeah, that's... That's Pastor Billy Bob, but that's just his title at the church, pastor. Pastor is not a title, it's a gift. It's not a title, it's a gift. The, the name, Jesus Christ. Christ is not a title, it's who he is. It's what he is. He's the anointed one. 
Amen. You understand? And, and, and notice, he said, they're recognizing their authority over you. We need to understand that everybody has someone in authority over them. And, and we recognize, and we saw from the, the previous readings and the previous statement, that that's not to run my life. That's recognizing the authority they have over me in the spiritual matters where my spiritual life is concerned. There's a voice in my life. And it's my pastor's voice. Well, I can hear from God for myself. Well, I'm sure you can. Especially, I hope you can. Coming here to church all the years you've been coming, I hope you've learned to hear from God for yourself. Because there's people sitting here under the sound of my voice. You have called me before wanting me to tell you what to do, and I have told you I cannot tell you what to do. you got to hear from God yourself. It's not my job to tell you what to do. Well, what do I do about this? I don't know. What do you think? What's the Holy Spirit telling you to do? I thought, I thought I'd just ask you. you. You thought you'd just come to me and, the, and get the easy answer instead of having to put your nose in the carpet and hear from God. That's not how it works. That's not my job. My job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to be the voice of God into your life so that God can get his revelation and his truth into you and, and be a safe place where God can show you victory. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Do, do you see that? A person came to my wife not too long ago. Pastor Michelle was sitting on the front row, and this person came up to her, and she said, uh, she said uh, oh, I was so hoping Phil would be here tonight. Well, listen, nobody calls me Phil. That's the first thing. I had a pastor friend of mine one time. He goes, what do you like to be called, Phil or Philip? I said, don't you call me Phil. (laughs) Anyway, Pastor Michelle looked at her, and she said, do you mean Pastor Philip Steele? Because we don't call him Phil. Now, listen, here's the thing. People say, well, is that person a member of your church? Nope, I'm not their pastor. Well, what if they come to your church? They can come to my church and not be my pa- and me not be their pastor. I know, listen, I know who's called to me. And I know who's not. Anybody can come and feed. We'll help anybody. But you need to be where God told you to be. You need to be sitting under the person God told you to be sitting under. I had a person one time telling me a story. Am I helping y'all? I was at dinner with this, this, this couple, and uh, they, they said that uh, on, on a service that they were having that uh, a person came and uh, came in the church and, and came up to them and said, yeah, our, our, pastor's, our pastor's out of town, so we were able to come over here tonight, and, and you know, uh, he won't know we weren't there, and begin to talk about their pastor, and they were relaying this to me, and I didn't say it because I didn't want to have a fight. I said, why in the world were you letting sheep talk about their shepherd to you? I don't let people talk about their pastor to me. Because here's what people think. 
that they can come to me, another pastor, and get a sensitive, compassionate ear because they're upset with their pastor. Let me make it very plain. You won't find that here. I will tell you to go back to your pastor and tell him what your problem is. That's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. If that's the voice God called to speak into your life and you're criticizing it and you're talking against it and you're running it down, what are you, what are you going to receive? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And what does that mean? If that's where you're supposed to be, you, you've been cut off from what God wants you to see. Amen. That's important. Do, do you see that? I had a person one time come to FBIMA, and they asked if they could meet with me over a break. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I met with them, and they sat down, and they began to talk to me about their pastor. And, and, and I've had people say, what do you do? I stopped. I said, whoop, up, stop right there. You need to go talk to them. You're calling them your pastor. You're working in their church. You are being dishonorable talking to me about them. You need to go talk to them. Don't talk to me no more. Yeah, but what if that pastor was doing wrong? That's between that pastor and that sheep, not me. It's not my job. When, you, when a pastor starts trying to pastor people that are not in his sheepfold, he will hurt the sheep he has. Amen. We love sheep. We love goats. But we rock wolves. Amen. People, I've had people say, what do you do with wolves? Hit them. I hit them. I single them out. I meet with them. And say, this is not your church. You can't go here. Well, where am I going to go? I don't know. Wherever God tells you to go, but it's not here. Why? I've got sheep. Did, didn't he say right here in the book of Acts? He said, I know that after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in, and they won't spare the flock. What does the pastor do? Tends to the flock. Watches the flock. Keeps an eye on the flock. What's he keeping an eye on? To make sure they're eating well, to make sure they're being taken care of, but he's watching for predators as well. That's important. So it's not just the preaching and teaching. It's the safeness. It's the security. It's, it's the feeling of, 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 of safeness that I have. Amen. Notice why he said you recognize their authority over you. For they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare. How often? Constantly. Keeping watch over your soul and guarding your spiritual welfare. Amen. So that's why a person obeys and submits to their pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice. The pastoral anointing is always watching over the sheep. Always. Always watching over the sheep. The pastoral anointing always has what the sheep are in need of. Always has what the sheep are in need of. 
I went over, I went to church Friday night to Pastor Raphael's ministry, Apple Central Alto. I texted him and asked him if he was having service. And uh, I went over and, and sat in with his in his ministry. And I was just so blessed to 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 to, to be there in that pastoral anointing. Because I didn't need to be made safe. I didn't need a rescue, but it was just beautiful to see it functioning. Hallelujah. The pastoral anointing always has what the sheep is in need of. Now notice, I didn't say the man, I said the anointing. I've had people say, well, who do you think you are? The pastor of this church. That's exactly who I think I am. And in that anointing that called me to be the pastor of this church is everything you need. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Now, the loudest voice in a believer's life should be the voice of the pastor the Holy Spirit placed them under. That should be the loudest voice in that believer's life. Now, notice, I didn't say the only voice. I said the loudest voice. Now, listen, I've been doing this a long time, and I've known pastors that were intimidated if their people were listening to somebody else or going to somebody else's church and visiting or, or whatever. Listen, feel free. Scratch every itch you got. All right? That's, that's not the issue, that you can't go anywhere else or hear from anybody else. That's, that's not it. But here, here's the thing. If God calls you to a man or a woman as your pastor, that should be the loudest voice in your life. That voice should carry more weight than any other voice. Why? Because that's where God placed me constantly. I said, that's where God placed me constantly. That's important. I mean, think, think about it. I, I, I look back over my life. I look back over my life, and, and, and I've had past, different pastors in my life. And, and I remember the pastor that really called the call of God out of my life and really called the man of God out of me, Pastor Michael Weatherly. He pastored Greater Faith Tabernacle in uh, Amarillo, Texas. And I was maybe, maybe 17, 18 when I, when I uh, moved there. Uh, left where I was living in West Texas and moved to Amarillo and, and was there. And he was constantly calling out the man of God in me. Constantly. Now, he wasn't big on the gifts of the Spirit, meaning that he didn't operate in a lot of the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't get a lot of yay-yays from him and ha-has and hoo-hoos, right? But I did get a lot of him just meeting with me and calling out the man of God in me. I needed that. I needed that. Because I, I had been raised, I had been raised in, in an environment that you had an anointing and you had an ability to preach, and people would use that gift up. They'd have you come preach, they'd have you come do whatever and move in the anointing. And that's why you had so many ministers falling and making mistakes and slipping up, because their anointing took them to a place their character couldn't keep them. He was more about your character than your anointing. Amen. And he called that constantly. He was calling that out of my life constantly. Amen. 
I, I, I remember a message he preached. He actually had come to our church in, uh, in Dowhart, Texas, my parents' church. And, uh, and, and he ministered a message on 1 John where it says, uh, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that's in the world is lust of the eye and the flesh, this is not the Father. Mm-hmm. And man, he ministered on that, and that revolutionized my life. That put me on a place, that put me on a, on a pathway to say, I don't care what's going on over here, and I don't care what's going on over there. I want what God wants for me. I knew I was called to ministry. I knew there was something in my life, but I was, I was very hit or miss with it. But when I began to hear that, now, I wasn't perfect from then on. It took me a, a few years to get where God wanted me to be. But here's the thing. He was calling something out of me that nobody else could call out of me. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? That, that was the thing. And so where I was at that time in my life, that's where I needed to be. But God called me to him. And, you know, I had ministers around me that got frustrated because I got so much from him. I had white ministers that didn't like it because I was, <laughs> I was letting a black man pastor me. And I had white ministers say, you're going to end up sounding like a black guy. And I said, what, that's such a bad thing? Well, here's what I'm trying to say. Listen to me. What were they missing? That's the voice that God had speaking to me. Why would you not want that for me? Amen. That makes sense? Well, you, you, right? Well, I, I was there for ever how long I was there? A few years and, until they moved away. Well, the next big voice that came into my life was Elder Morton, Pastor Morton, the big, big voice that came into my life. And, and Pastor Michelle and I moved here because here, let me, let me say something. You can labor in a church where your pastor isn't and God will credit you, and God will bless you, and God will help you, but you'll never get what you should have been getting. For instance, my parents were never supposed to be my pastors. They were supposed to be my parents. My, number one, my dad wasn't a pastor. Number two, my mom didn't want a pastor. So you ask, why were they pastoring? I don't know. But they were never supposed to be my pastors. They were my wife's pastors. They spoke into her life tremendously. God delivered her under their ministry. I moved to Hendersonville to help them in their church, not for them to be my pastors. Didn't have anything to do with me not respecting them or holding them in regard. That wasn't the point. They did not have the voice into my life that God wanted to be in my life. Well, they eventually left. They eventually, they closed the church and moved. Well, then God moved us here. Near close to 30 years ago, God moved us here. We were living in, in Grandview. And, and you remember the story very, very vividly. I came home on a Wednesday after work, and Pastor Michelle said, Oh, Philip, she said, I heard this preacher on the radio. These words came out of my mouth. Don't tell me nothing about no preacher on the radio. I was so tired of going to churches and getting yay-yays and ha-has and hoo-hoos 
and only thing, right? I, I was tired of that. And so she convinced me to go on Friday. And I wasn't backslid. I wasn't away from the Lord. That wasn't the point. We went on that Friday night, and I dressed down intentionally. I wore my jeans and my, my tennis shoes and a, and a, I forget what it was, some kind of T-shirt. I forget. And we went, and, and we showed up late. Now, anybody that knows anything about me, perish the thought of being late. But I was late, and I sat on the back row. Now, at that time, Elder Morton's church was, it was not anywhere nearly as big as this church. It may, may be, maybe from that window to that wall, maybe. Maybe from that window to that wall. That's what it was. And, uh, and we were, I was sitting there in the back, so it's not a big building. I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't hiding because I couldn't hide. But I figured if I was toward the back, you know, maybe his anointing wouldn't reach me. But the first thing he, and, and Adam Morton had this thing. He, every, uh, on Friday nights, he would let the, the, he called them the younger ministers, ministers in training, and he would, he would give them each about five minutes, ten minutes to minister. And so he had two people minister, and I remember the, uh, uh, both the ministers. One was Lance Alexander. The other one was Vern, uh, not Vernell. That was his wife. Uh, uh, I forget the other lady's name, but she goes to my sister's church now. And, but in any event, am I helping you? In any event, uh, he, was, uh, he, he had let them minister, and he got up, and he had this habit. He'd put his glasses on, and then he'd go, yeah. Yeah, 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 all right, yeah, all right. And he walked over and said, looked at my wife and said, give me her. And so Michelle got up and came to the front, and I don't remember everything that he said to her. I do remember some of it, but not everything. But I do remember this. He laid hands on her, and she went out under the power of God. And people say, well, why was that so, why did that affect you? Because my wife doesn't flop for anybody. If it's not there, she's not flopping. I've watched ministers try to bend her over, and I wanted to get up and whisper in her and go, quit. <laughs> so I knew this, this is the anointing, not because she went out under the power, but because she sensed it and yielded to it. But I'm sitting there going, whew, whew that was close. And then she got up, went and sat back down, and he said, yeah, yeah okay. Give me him. Now watch. Now, nobody knew this. Pastor Michelle was working nights, 3 to 11 shift at Price Chopper. I'm at home alone. I'm praying, and I told the Lord. I said, Lord, if there isn't more to what you've called me to do than what I've been experiencing, I said, Lord, I love you. I will never leave you. You know I will never backslide. You've done too much for me. I said, but I won't preach anymore. I will go find my family and I, a big church, and we'll go. We'll be tithers. We'll get involved in the church. We'll keep our kids in church. But, Lord, that's just, Lord, that's, I'm honest. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. You know, the, the, Lord, the Lord doesn't mind you being honest with him about where you're at. Sometimes in, in our word of faith circles, we're so determined to keep everything coming out of our mouth positive that we don't get real with God. You know, God doesn't mind you coming to him and saying, I'm hurting. I don't know what to do. I need direction. Help me. 
Well, yes, pastor, but the word says that we have an unction from the Holy One and we need no one to tell us what to do. That's why you're missing what you need. Because there's times you got to go to God and say, look, I don't know what to do. That's what Paul did. Look, Lord, I've asked you three times to deliver me from this. And what God say? My grace is sufficient for you. And finally, Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 said, I got it. I got it. When I'm weak, that's when you're strong. Yeah. When you go to God and you say, I can't do anything about this, God goes, I can. And that's when he can move. As long as you can do it, he's not going to try to do it. As long as you can fix it, there's no need for him to fix it. Hallelujah. See, I tell people this. That night that I knelt in that bedroom and was honest with God, God had you in his mind. Because if I don't get that fixed in that bedroom, I don't ever come here. And if I don't ever come here, whatever God has done in your life through my wife and I, it doesn't happen because we're not here. Amen. He looked at me. He looked at me. And he said, the other night, you were in your bedroom. And he said, and this is what you said. You told the Lord. You said, Lord, if there isn't more to what you've called me to do than what I'm seeing, I just don't want it. And he went through all of it. He said, you told the Lord you'd go to a big church and you'd sit on the back row and you'd tithe and you'd keep your people in church and, and that you wouldn't backslide, that you'd serve him and love him. He said, and the Lord said to tell you there is more. And he laid hands on me. And from that, from that moment on, my life was different. And it wasn't just because he said exactly what I had said to the Lord. See, I found the voice. I found the voice. I found the voice that could call something out of me. Amen. And that's where we were, and that's what we did, and that's where we were. Amen. And, and, and the Lord called us to help in, a, in another ministry, and, and, and I met with him and told him, and, and we went. And if you talk to him today, he will, he will say, that we were called away. We didn't leave. We were called away. Hallelujah. Now, he's not the constant voice into my life at this point. Pastor Caldwell is the constant voice into my life. Hallelujah. Why? Because God, listen, listen. When God called us to pastor two churches, everybody didn't understand it. Everybody didn't understand that. And there's, there's no problem with me and my Pastor Morton's relationship at all. None, zero, nothing between us. He, he called me the other day. I talked to him all the time. Matter of fact, he was, he was the, the pastor that those people were talking about, and that's, that's what frustrated me so much. But here, here's the point. Here's the point that I'm making. God will put that voice in your life that you need to hear from. Amen. Now, understand why that happened to me that way. Because I'm called the pastor. You know, if you're called the pastor, God can use you to pastor here, help pastor. God might take you somewhere and give you your own ministry. That's fine. Just make sure God's taking you and God's doing it. That's, that's the important thing. Our job is to replicate ourselves. We, 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 got a, we got a church starting in Pine Bluff uh, on uh, uh, Easter Sunday morning. Faith Builders Pine Bluff will be starting. 
Amen. Well, that, that person has been coming to our church about three years now, getting fed on the, on the Word, got an anointing, got a calling. And when they begin to tell me God was uh, talking to them about Pine Bluff, I can't go to Pine Bluff. I, I'm, listen, <laughs> I'm burning up the highway pastor in two churches. I'm getting into some more. Am I helping you with this? I just, I just want you to see. God brings you where what he once called out of you can be called out of you. People will come to our churches and they'll say, and they'll say, I didn't know what it meant to be married correctly till I started coming to, to this church. Is it because I'm such a marriage expert? No, it's because the marriage expert's in the anointing. Now, a lot of ministers aren't as honest as I am, but you know, there's been times I've been preaching things about marriage and thought, ooh, let me write that down. I need to do that. <laughs> Somebody say, do you do that? I do now. <laughs> Glory to God. This is important. This is important. Hallelujah. Many believers look at their pastors as a voice in their life when their pastor is the feeding voice in their life. That's crucial. I say, that's crucial. Well, why? Well, well, look, look, look at uh, Acts two forty two. You know, years ago, probably twenty years ago, when the Lord told me I needed to minister much on the office of the pastor, I was hesitant because you know people think, well, you're up there talking about yourself, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the office. And then I found the book of Romans where Paul said, talking about the office of the apostle, and he told the church at Rome, he said, you know what? I'm magnifying my office. It's the office. And um, that doesn't minimize the need for the man to be what he is. But notice Acts 2 and 42. This is after the day of Pentecost. The church is formed. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. Now, here's, here's the thing. What do you do with that verse? It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, somebody will say, well, they got their doctrine from the Lord. Well, of course they did. But it was their doctrine. That's why when you come to church, we open the Bible and we say, turn to this verse, and you bring your Bible, and you can read what's in the Bible, right? And if it's in my Bible and it's in your Bible, then we both have a, a witness. It's an agreement. Is that right? But here's what I want you to see. Why didn't he say the Lord's doctrine? Why didn't he say Jesus' doctrine? Because Jesus wasn't the one preaching it and teaching it. The apostles were teaching that doctrine. This is the word of God taught by men and women. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. That's why there's, there's no shame in saying, well, my pastor says. Well, I just believe we ought to say, you know, we ought to give the credit to the word. Well, we do give the credit to the word. But who taught you? 
your pastor. Hallelujah. Listen, it's things my pastor has taught me that keeps me on the straight and narrow. He made a statement one time, and boy, it imprinted my spirit. He said, when someone I am familiar with becomes familiar with someone I distrust, it changes my perspective of them. Boy, that, that, hit, that, that imprinted my spirit. That's helped me over the years. Right? Because you, 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 somebody that's familiar with you, they start hanging around somebody that's a gossip, that changes your perspective of them. Well, who said that? Well, my pastor. Where did it come from? Make no friendship with an angry man. You'll learn his ways. So he was saying what the word says, but yet my pastor said it. Well, I don't believe we should promote a man. Well, let me ask you, what are you going to promote then? What are you going to tell people? Come to my church. You'll get help. By who? Oh, well, God, Pastor. Well, who's God going to move through? Well, your pastor. I've had people say, you ought not to have people tell them that they ought to come and hear you. Well, who else am I going to tell them to come and hear? We're all just going to sit here, and there's going to be a voice. God's going to speak to us, and we can all just, if, if God speaks during a service, he's going to speak through somebody. Whether it's a word from you, a word from another person, when God speaks from the word of God in a church, he's going to speak through the pastor. God's not going to bypass the pastor and tell you what to do. Not going to do that. Where the church is concerned, where your life is concerned, I hope he bypasses me. I want you doing what you're supposed to do. I'll call people and say, what's going on with you? The Lord's been keeping me up nights. I need my sleep. Let's get this corrected. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I'm just showing you that because I want you to see this. Who was the main feeding voice in their life? The apostles, right? Look at Acts 20, 28 again. He said, notice, take heed therefore to yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Ghost made you overseers to feed the church. Who's to feed the church of God? And, and he's talking to pastors about the church that the Holy Spirit made them overseers of. So who's supposed to be feeding that church? The pastors. So who is the, is the sheep supposed to be feeding from primarily? The pastor. The pastor. Oh, Hallelujah. See, because what you got to understand is there, there are, are voices out there. And listen, listen, there are voices I listen to every day. I listen to Brother Copeland every day. Every day of the world, I listen to Brother Copeland. All right, he, he revolutionized my life, all right, through the, through the, the, the Word of God. I, I listen to Brother Hagin almost every day. I listen to my pastor almost every day, all right? I listen to Pastor Michelle every day. No, not just when she tells me what to do at home, <laughs> when she's preaching, all right? Obviously, I listen to her every day. Hallelujah, she keeps me straight. But you, you understand why I'm saying that? Because that is the primary 
All of those voices. But here's the thing. Brother Copeland is not a pastor. Brother Hagen was not a pastor. It was not his calling. Brother Jerry is not a pastor. Why do I have to listen to my pastor? He's a pastor. He's a pastor. Nobody can feed you like your pastor. And, and part of that is, listen, nobody knows what their kids need like their parents. Why? Because they're with them all the time. I say they're with them all the time. I'm, I'm with y'all all the time. I'm exposed to what you're going through, right? You got to understand the unity between a sheep and a shepherd. Jesus made this statement. He said, my sheep know my voice and another they'll not follow. And you've seen illustrations of that in, 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 in other, other nations where there'll be a, a, a flock of sheep and a person will go out that the sheep don't know and they'll call them and the sheep won't even lift their head. But then the shepherd will go and call them, and the sheep will lift their head and come to the shepherd. They know his voice. Now, I understand, obviously, that's Jesus talking to his church and, and, and spirit-filled, saved believers. We know his voice, and another they'll not follow. But here's the thing. The shepherd knows what the sheep needs. Oh, hallelujah. Knows what they need. That's why, you know, we often joke when the kids go to grandma and grandpa's, right? They just get whatever they want. That's, that's generally true. And very often they don't get what? What they need. Is that right? Then they come home and they want what they want, not what they need. But you're the parent. You got to give them what they need. Isn't that right? Oh, hallelujah. Because, you know, you know I got a seven-year-old. And she'll go stay with grandma for a month or two weeks or three weeks. And I'll hear this sometimes when they get home. Yeah, but grandma let me. Yeah, but you're not at grandma's. You were home. Now, I don't have to say that a lot. She's a very obedient girl. But you understand why I'm saying that? They don't get what they need. How, how many think at grandma's house they get away with stuff? Nobody but me? Right? Do they get away with stuff, Pat? They do, don't they? Right? They'll do things that at home they might get a... But at grandma's they get, now, honey. Depending on what grandma you got. <laughs> But, but here's, here's the thing. The parent knows the child. Not in a derogatory way. I know the child. I know what they need. For instance, Liliana, she needs as much sleep as she can get every night. Why? Because I know if she's not sleeping, she's she not functioning. Right? So even, even when she goes, really, i got to go to bed now? Yep, right now. And, you know, we got to start 30 minutes early because it takes 30 minutes to get. <laughs> but we're the parents. We, it doesn't bother us. 
This is what we do. This is our routine. This is where we start. This is what that sheep needs. Amen. There are people that come to a church, and the pastor, listen, there are people that I can go up to and just kind of pop them in the chest and say, look, you need to change that, and you need to fix it. This is what's going on. You need to fix it. And they'll be like, yes, sir, got it, no problem. And then there are people, you got to take them out to coffee, and you got to sit and explain it in the kindest terms possible. Not because they're wrong people, but because they are not of the mindset to receive that, you need, you're messing up, you need to change it. Neither one of those approaches are wrong. The pastor knows their sheep. The pastor knows their sheep. So the pastor's specific assignment is to what? Feed the flock that they lead. That's the specific assignment. That's why that's the one the Holy Spirit specifically assigned your feeding to. Amen. If, if I'll have other people from other churches. They'll come to me and they'll say, well, my pastor said this. What do you think? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Is that where God called you? Is that the person God called you to? Well, yeah. Well, if it's not against the, if it's not against the word of God, then you need to listen to him. I don't have anything to say. I've had people say, yeah, but I would just like your opinion. Mm, you're looking for a way to wiggle out of that. Look at 1 Peter 5. We'll be done with this. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Got about three minutes, four minutes. I won't keep you too long. I know sheep like to eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I, I want to make sure you know the pecking order. I mean, we don't want to get you out of order. Because if I let you get there too early, like right now the Presbyterians are there. Then the Methodists will show up and the Baptists. Pentecost are always last. So if I get you there, it'll throw everything into an uproar. Amen. There's nothing like a Baptist walking around in a circle. It's just, it's... Thank God for the Baptist. They, they helped me get back into ministry. First Peter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Notice what he says to these pastors. Feed the flock of God which is among you. You take the oversight, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Oh, hallelujah. So notice who has the responsibility of feeding the flock of God. The pastor. They're the ones that's going to receive the crown for feeding the flock. They're the ones that's going to receive the crown for protecting the flock, for nourishing the flock, for tending the flock, giving the flock what they need. All of the five-fold ministry gifts supply nourishment to the universal church, all of them. But only one is charged with being the main source of that nourishment, the pastor. That's why I went through all of the ministers, all of the ministers that, that we talked about. They can feed, they can, they can uh, nourish, but that's not the main source of the nourishment. 
Because if a person's not a pastor, they have the ability to feed you, but they don't have the ability to pastor you. And see, people not only need to be fed, they need to be pastored. They need to be shepherded. They need to be guided. And, and again, not necessarily in their personal life, in their spiritual life. You know, it's, it's you, you, you get, you, you learn the finer points of prayer being under a pastor. You learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit being under a pastor. I mean, you can't pray on your own and you can't be led on your own. But where'd you learn it? Somebody had to teach you. In, in one of the, the instances in 1 Corinthians where Paul said, be followers of me, and then he said this, he said, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. You have people that can instruct you, people that can teach you, but you don't have, they're, they're not fathers. They're not pastors in the faith. Amen. That's, that's, that's the importance. And so when you look at somebody and you call them pastor, this is what you're saying. This is the person God has called to be the feeding voice in my life. This is the person that God's given the oversight of my spiritual maturity to. Hallelujah. I had, I had a person one time that, that came to me. They, they came to church all the time. This was uh, uh, back when uh, we had uh, uh, faith builders down on 10th and Central. And uh, 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 Daryl and Yolanda, they remember this brother came, Roger. Bro, Roger, y'all remember Roger. And, and they would come over every Sunday night. Central would come over every Sunday night to have church with us here. And uh, Roger always wanted to attend the class we had in the back. And uh, uh, every time he saw me, he'd come up and he'd go, hey, what's up, bud? And, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I don't jump on people. But finally, one Sunday, he came to me and said, hey, what's up, bud? I said, bud's my dad. I'm pastor. And that's when the Lord revealed something to me. People say, what do I call you? What name do I minister to you by? Because if I'm just Philip, you get what Philip has. If I'm just Brother Steele, then you get what Brother Steele can give you. If I'm your pastor, you get what the pastor can give you. Amen. Hallelujah. One time I was getting, I was... Uh, I had been to the gym, and I was, I was changing and getting ready to come into the office, and, th and there was a state trooper that, that went there regularly. And uh, one of the people at the gym, one of the owners came up to him and said, uh, uh, it's uh, officer, and he said, no, it's trooper. We think, well, what does that matter? I mean, he's kind of picky, wasn't he? No, he's a trooper, not an officer. I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. Your personal pastor. That's important. Amen. I'm, I'm not Philip. I mean, I am. But that's, what, that's why the Bible says we don't know each other after the flesh. Right? And what, what you receive, what you receive depends on how you receive it from the person that it's being spoken by. I had a, a friend, still have a friend, pastor of church in Kansas City, Kansas. 
and he had a, a guy on his staff, and I used to tell him all the time, you're, 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 uh, uh, there's not that, the, love, the respect for your office isn't there. And he would just kind of shake it off. One day I got a phone call from him after church, and, and, he, and he told me, he said, you know, uh, this guy had done this and that and the other and, and really was, you know, being disrespectful. And, and, I, and I, listen, I don't know everything. I know I don't know everything. But I said, listen, that's what you get when you just let people treat you ever how they want and just approach you ever how they want. Because there, there's got to be this level of, okay, listen, when, when, if I come to your home, I don't come to your home, sit in your lazy boy, who would kick my shoes off and ask for some tea? Even if you tell me I can do that, I promise you, I won't do it. That is your house. That is your chair. Right? I respect you as the head of your home. When, when you get to the place, every, any believer, when they get to the place, they say, listen, that's who God called to speak into my life. They're not just another voice. They're the feeding voice in my life. That's when God can begin to do things in our lives. Isn't that wonderful? That's why you call me pastor. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Father, we thank you for your sheep today. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to them. We thank you, Father, for the magnificent gift that you've placed within each of them, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for these families. Father, I thank you that you have called my wife and I to tend them, to shepherd them, to feed them, to protect them. And Lord, I thank you that as we delve deeper into the things of God and into the things of the Spirit, that we see more and more exactly why you've called us to do what you've called us to do. And we thank you for it. We praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Let's stand up.